Howdy, BHR Sears. Uh, you can find every episode of Why People on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcast content. On this Why People episode, episode number 15, uh, we talked to Skip Maloney. Skip is the Chief Human Resources Officer at Interdigital, has a really cool background, has done some amazing things with tech companies in the Northeast. Excited to dive into it. Uh, so stay, stay tuned. <laughs> Hi and welcome to Why People, episode number 15. Uh, for those new listeners, uh, Why People is a Boston HR Council podcast. Uh, the BHRC is one of the largest HR executive communities in the world with over a thousand active members. Uh, excited to have you today. Excited to introduce uh, co-founder uh, of the BHRC and co-host of Why People, Paul Roberts. Thank you, Sean. Certainly was uh, skipping with excitement today when I found out today's guest. Want to welcome all our loyal and new listeners to the podcast. Should be a great one. Awesome, thanks, Paul. And uh, it's super excited to to introduce uh, today's guest. Skip Maloney is the Chief Human Resources Officer at Interdigital. I know Skip as uh, number one as a college ball player, so near and dear to my heart. In 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 a in a pro ball player, but uh, but also in the Northeast, he's uh, become pretty well known as a uh, a human capital strategist, specifically um, creating some amazing stories for uh for public companies and, and companies looking to grow in the in the tech space so uh so skip thanks for joining us yeah thanks guys uh long time coming i watched a lot of your episodes so uh honor to be here appreciate it yeah and appreciate you not hitting delete now you know all the notes i sent you hey skip you know you're coming on hey skip hey shy i got a job i'll uh i'll, I'll, I'll i promise i'll try to get on when i can so right. appreciate you skip and uh we just got it. We call out the elephant in the room here, Skip. Um, I know you're uh, you're headquartered in Philadelphia right now, but you're a loyal Boston guy. Uh, see some cool stuff in the background. Just give us a quick thirty seconds on what it's like being a you now a Boston sports person uh, uh, living in Philadelphia right now. Uh, well, I'll tell you, it's uh, not easy, especially now. Um, uh, people around here have short memories uh, of of. The decade, two decades long uh, of, of winning. Uh, I, uh, I have an amazing uh, team of colleagues that um, they're diehard Philly fans. And there's so much, you know, there's so much in common between the cities. I mean, the 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 rabidness of the the the, the sports fans, the historical background of the cities. I, I would say the only difference is, um, well, we win. Um, <laughs> They, uh, someone, someone on the executive team say, said, Philadelphia is the city of champions. And I said, no, you guys are the city of championship games. You actually don't win the games. So, um, so I get to, I get to live the rest of my life with that. I mean, we had, a, but of course they're bringing up the Patriots season this year and all that, but, uh, let's just put it this way. Uh, a number of my colleagues on the executive team owe me lunch and other things. Cause they, they, they lead with their chin and they put money down on games or, or, or bets on games that they lost. So. It's been fun for me, I'll tell you. <laughs> awesome. Well, awesome, Skip. And I know we could do another podcast on uh, on sports and all that fun stuff. And I, 
I will lean into a question relative to your your athletic background at some point, but just like I said, I had to call out the elephant in the room. But yeah. um, I know you've watched, um, you've you've listened to some of these uh, podcasts. We really keep the same cadence, and obviously, everyone's journey is is uniquely different, um, Skip. So you know, help us get get us started here. You know, tell us a little bit about your your background, whether it's you know you want to start with education or really anything to get us rooted, uh, what kind of tracked you towards your professional career now? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, you mentioned, um, uh, baseball. So I, uh, my, my earlier plans were not to, uh, be an HR it was, uh, play first base for the Detroit Tigers. And, uh, uh, wall ended that, uh, career pretty quickly and destroyed my knee and all that. So I've always been one that, um, you know, if a door's locked, I look for the, you know, how to get through the window. I figure out some other way to move forward. So my, my career, I hear a lot of people say they fell into HR. I don't think I fell in HR. I think I chose HR. HR to me, it's, it's a complex function. It's a complex science. And, you know, I get blown away by people who can, you know, make this great software or this great machinery. But this is the this is the science of people, which I think is more complex. So I chose HR. So early in my career, I you know, I started in um, uh, in recruiting, uh, in staffing, and um, and I'll, you know I wasn't very good. Um, I wasn't very good at it. And but I'll tell you, in my early twenties, I wouldn't have been good at anything. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I was trying to figure out what that was. And um, and and like I said, I don't think I fell into it, but I I started to get involved in more broader HR uh, activities. And, and I was blessed with having early influencers in my life and in my career that put me in touch and gave me opportunities to do things outside of recruiting as well. I, I had this leadership to me, this bent of uh, leading people that um, I always leaned on. So I started gravitating towards that and uh, stayed in recruiting and, and just started taking it more seriously. Uh, one of my early influencers, uh, Jim Donahue, who is uh, a well-known uh, staffing expert in, in Boston, and um, he taught me discipline, right? And and uh, I started to really take it seriously and tap into my ambition, and uh, I started to get into other parts of HR and and learn learn the business and and learn the function and what it can do. And quite frankly, I wanted to change it. I, I saw the way the function was at the time and thought it could do more, and I wanted to be part of that. Yeah, that's story skip and it's a cool background and if i could just kind of lean in kind of a follow-up question there we chat with and 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 we we know a lot of folks that are in the recruiting function right and 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 they'll tell you well well i'm just a recruiter right um you know that's that you know that's that's my sweet spot you know some sometimes folks will even say uh, i i consider myself just hr adjacent i'm really just the the recruiting function so I guess the and going off your response, I'm sure you have some thoughts around this. But what what did that bridge from um, from the recruiting function to the the business function? What did that look like for you? And, and would love to hear kind of your thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean, every role within HR is different, but you know, to me, you look at attract, retain, develop. You know, those three buckets. Every one of them has an important role within what we do. You know, when you're in recruiting, it's recruiting is as close as you're going to get to sales and HR. You're selling the company, right? And but you got to break the right path. You got to, sorry, you got to pick the right people to go on this path and this journey with you. So they got to be cultural fits. So 
by nature, you got to know the business. One thing I was, you know, I've always had, I guess, is a sort of, uh, I've always embraced intellectual curiosity. So I always wanted to know how, how things work and, and what was around me. And I leaned on that for recruiting. I, uh, I'll drop another name. There was a recruiting uh, leader at the time that I worked with, uh, Jeff Sa, back in the day. And he just, he knew everything about companies. He just really dug in deep and he knew the technology. And I learned a lot from him on that to say, and which I take to this day when I talk to uh, to my teams now and say, you, you learn the business. Because one thing I noticed when I talk to other HR professionals, uh, you know, at a party or whatever, and they say, I don't, um, oh, so what do you guys do? And they're not, they're not able to really tell you what they do. I'm not saying you got to get down to the line of code, but they really struggle with being able to explain what their business is and how they make money. And, and what I always tell people is, you know, HR folks ask me all the time, you know, what, what HR magazine should I get? And this? I go, actually get the wall street journal for first, get that, know how the business around you works and how people are making money, how people are losing money, learn the business. Once you learn the business, you'll be able to learn HR and know how to support the business. And, so I, I was able to gravitate towards that. And, and honestly, the other part for me is because my vulnerability hat on, I have ADHD and so I get bored quickly. And so I was doing the recruiting and this and that. And I was like, hey, what's that over there? I'm going to go start working on that. And it helped me along. And, and for me, it's, um, it was, it was great because look, especially over the last five years, it's something new constantly coming around the corner for HR. Yeah, that's, that's great, Skip. Um, yeah, the, the, the word curiosity, um, you know, if uh, Paul and I will will do one of those word map or word clouds from you know from all of these episodes when we get to twenty five, and geez, that's the you know the the folks that we've had on here all really impressive in their own right, and I don't think anyone hasn't said that that is what yeah. drove them to to expand kind of their that's right yeah you know their yep. their career. So so skip. So um, let's just pause right here. Um, got a great kind of idea of, of your background and how you got started. Um, and, and we'll make a jump kind of into, um, into more of the career path and the path of the executive seat. But I always, I'm always curious on, on people's take here, but t- tell us a little bit about growing up playing team sports and, and that being a big part of who you are and, and how it translates to your approach to business and teams. Sure. Yeah, no, great question. Yeah. I, it's funny. I, I, I think my parents had different plans. They sort of groomed me to play professional ball. They were, they saw I had a talent for, for whatever and developed that, developed my skills. Uh, yes. Someone could just really make a quick line and say, okay, you're a great hitter. That's not what I took away from it. My, uh, I'll tell you my father growing up would, uh, pitch me bottle caps every night for an hour and I'd hit into a net with a broomstick. So one would say, oh, great, you developed a, a knack for hitting. True. But the reality is I developed discipline. I developed work ethic. I wasn't the tallest kid. I wasn't the fastest kid. I wasn't anything, but I was going to outwork anybody. And anyone who knows me, anyone who's worked for me will know my favorite four-letter word is grit. So I worked hard at that. And 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 so sports, and I and I, I try to pass this on to my two daughters as well, is it's it's not, yes, it's it, there's importance to winning and, and, and losing and to learning 
those those lessons in between but it's everything in sports should be developing you how to be a better person and the things i learned from sports uh takes me to this day i'm i'm obsessed with teams i were i i've been on very talented teams who didn't win and i was on less talented teams who won at all and so i get obsessed with well, why is that what what is the dynamic between the two what what happened and so i try to apply that to the everyday and um you know, my, I'll tell you a quick story. My, my daughter was uh, a little, little, little kid. She was a little girl just starting basketball where, like, if you score four points, it's amazing, right? And she had this one game where she scored 25 points, which I was, you know, after the game, I was like, oh, my, Madeline, oh, my God. And first thing she said to me was, oh, Dad, did you see Ella? She scored her first basket to, uh, of the year. I'm so happy for her. That's how I look at sports. I'm like, okay, cool, you get it. It's about the people around you, not you. And... um and so sports to me, yes, I love to, I believe me, I lead with my chin. I go in the office every day and say, oh, hmm, how many championships do you guys have? Um, I'm, I'm Boston, right? That's what we do. <laughs> sure. uh, but at the end of the day, it's about pulling people up and making the people around you better. That's uh, one of my, never saw him play, he was before my time, but Bill Russell was always about that. He measured his career by how well or how better his teammates were because of him. And that's the correlation I bring uh, from sports into my professional career. Yeah, I love it, Skip. That's um, yeah, well said. Uh, geez, that's uh, when I have a Skip Skip Maloney meme, um, you know, soon on all that. Um, cool. <laughs> What's the meme? I'm not. I don't know those things yet. And GIF or GIF, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I know either, Skip. But oh, great. But yeah, so it's neat to hear you hear hear you say that, Skip. And it, it's you know relative to our conversation here, right? So, um, you know, kind of this. What I'm hearing is curious, competitive team oriented right and 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 so now you're in hr people tell us a little bit about you know how you went from um being a part of the function to pathing towards some type of leadership and kind of what that looked like and and what that trap was like for you i think the competitive advantage i guess i had uh, over others in my field which i'm not suggesting i'm any more special than anyone. I think at the time it was a little more rare, right? Was I, I spoke truth to power. I just, I'm kind of unabashedly truthful on things. I'll, if I see something that's not right, I'm going to, I'm going to call it, you know, I'm going to say it. And so I had what I call, you know, career courage to just speak my mind. And I thought a lot of people that were around me, they just spoke to, they stayed in their lanes. And that's one thing I would tell people is don't stay in your lane. You know, first know the business, don't just you know spout off anything. But, uh, you know, I often ask viewpoints from people from other functions because I want a different viewpoint. I, I'm a huge believer in diversity of thought and I want people to come in and chime in on things. So for me, as I was kind of, you know, stretching out my later, my leadership legs, it was, it was, I saw, I, I saw a way that I could be different. I, and, and one of the things I'm most proud of in my career is I've heard a lot of people say, boy, you're not like most HR leaders that I've worked with before. And I take that as a compliment and not as an insult to HR. I think the industry has done or the function has grown tremendously over the last few years. So I'm not alone. There's several people that approach it like I do. There's some incredibly great HR leaders out there that know the business, that consult, that are looked as the concierge, if you will, uh, for the leaders and for the CEOs and the board members and, and things like that. And I'm thrilled to have been gone on that journey. But when I think when I started ages ago, it wasn't like that. It was very much 
I mean, it was we're at the tail end of it being the personnel department. Yeah, and Skip, it's it's the you know we're 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 friends now, but even when I first got to know you, that, that kind of uh, unabashed, like just call it like it is. It's like the first thing that stood out, um, and um, that I'd imagine that is a you know a superpower in the work that you do. I guess a follow up question I have though is for those folks and and some folks you know, come on and actually admit, they say, Hey, I'm, I'm an, I'm an HR person. Um, and I've, I've learned how to be more curious about the business. I've learned how to become more of a business partner than just, you know, either of a, of a function, right. Um, any, any words of advice for folks that, that maybe, um, that maybe were more HR oriented than, um, than business. Yeah. Um, like, like, like you were any, any advice there that you might give to someone? Sure. Yeah. So one of the, one of the concepts I try again, going back to the sports analogies, one of the concepts I try to impart on, you know, younger HR folks coming up, I said, look, you could play one of three roles. You can decide to be, um, uh, a coach and coach the people around you to better performance and to better results. Uh, you could be a cheerleader and just root them on their way and their journey and not really call anything out at all. They didn't do anything wrong at all. Or you could be a referee and just, you know, referees, they look for infractions. They look for fouls. They look for penalties. They look to see if you touch the line. I tell folks there's times to be one of all three for sure, but lean more on coaching, lean more on bringing people along on their journey. Everyone's different. And I think that's where HR has gravitated towards the last uh, 10 years, I would say, is um, when I first started, it was more of a referee. It was, we were there to blow the whistle on so-and-so. And I just don't believe, man, there's times you got to do that for sure. But if you do it from a coaching lens, there's times when you're going to blow the whistle like, hey, yeah, you can't be doing that and think about this ramification and think about the things around you. And then from a cheerleader, when someone needs that pick-me-up, but you got to be able to shift in between, but I would lean more towards coaching than anything. Yeah, that's a great a great analogy. So, Skip, just kind of you know bring us to the top here, right? Um, to to current day. Before we got to know each other um, a bit, you know, I I knew you kind of afar as someone you know a real human capital strategist, specific to public companies and strategizing and 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 growing you know shareholder value like that. Like that's when I think of Skip Maloney. Like that's what I I think of. Can you? Tell the the audience a little bit about how that become that became kind of your thing, and 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 what's different about that versus, you know, a, a private or a small or a sure. truck, like the the different world there. Yeah, I mean, it, it's certainly motivation, but it's it's who you're working for, type of thing. You know, private worked in private, of course, and you know the goal was always to you know maintain or get to profitability. So you had different goals in mind. So. Um, you know, everything was just as important. Culture is as important for any type of uh, uh, business that you're in. But in the public domain, you know, you have shareholders. You know, you can't just uh, say you can't just do what you want, but you have to answer to more people. And there's a uh, complexity to that, you know, whether it's uh, institutional investors and they have, um, uh, you know, the, the proxy advisors will will advise the institutional investors on say on pay, for example. So you have to be very overt and very public about everything that you do, which I like. Um, I think that's great. Um, from the private sector, you can stumble along a little bit more until you kind of get your legs and and get to to be a public company if that's the goal. Um, but no, being working in the public domain 
you know, there's a lot more rules and regulations. I think there's some CEOs that if, when they went private to public, they wish they stayed private. But the reality is, you know, if you're running your business the right way, and, and oh, by the way, sometimes you have to make decisions that a shareholder may not love. But Jeff explained why this is good for the long term. Most most shareholders are in for the long term, not short term. So sometimes you have to make decisions, whether it's cop related or or you know benefit packages, whatever that may take money away from the business, but it's good for the long term. So as long as you know those things, you strategize and keep good relationships with uh, with the advisors, with the institutional investors, with shareholders. Be very very public about what you do. And one of the things they look to me and and my team and the executives is you know how well do we shepherd the culture. Um, we've all heard the quote, you know, culture uh, eats strategy for breakfast. That's true. But if you have a bad strategy, you're eating something that's going to give you a stomach ache. I mean, it's not going to work. They go hand in hand, right? So for me, there's a little bit more scrutiny. There's more of a spotlight when you're in the public domain. But um, I think if you have your act together and all that, it's, that's, there's no disadvantage to that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well said, Skip. And, and, before we pivot into the future and, and, and what you're thinking about relative to the function, relative to, um, you know, some advice for folks that might be just getting into the, the function, uh, the question we love to ask is, um, you know, you've been doing this for a little bit. Like when you look around, is there, is there any other role or function that you think to yourself, geez, I, my skill set actually sets up, I, you know, I, you know, maybe I could do some of the, the financial things or like anything that, that you've, that you've gravitated towards that was not specific to HR and people, but you, you took a, a liking to it. Yeah. Well, I'll, uh, uh, let me answer it differently. I, I see HR eventually moving into more CEO roles and COO roles. I was a, uh, a big time champion for, uh, seeing CHROs, uh, be placed on boards. Um, and, and I'll tell you why. When I was first starting out in the public domain, I would tell you 70 to 80 percent of the conversations we had centered around people at the board level. So, you know, I sat in on the board meetings and participated. And it, it just hit me after a long time. There's not one board member that there was a CHRO that has an HR background. And it's more prevalent for comp committee things. Right. But, you know, but but on the other hand, you don't need to be a CHRO to run the comp committee. Uh, we have an outstanding uh, human capital committee uh, chair uh, at Interdigital, and she doesn't have an HR background, so it doesn't. You don't necessarily need one or the other, but I find it interesting that those rules don't apply for HR, right? It's like, well, you need finance to do this. Is that I'm not suggesting you're going to see a, a CHRO be a CFO, but there's the CHRO should know enough about every single function within the business that they could become a very strong COO. And I also think that you're going to start seeing more CHROs become CEOs down the road. I think this next decade, you'll see that more. I think the world, certainly with COVID, I mean, there was something every three months, something new was coming down the pike. And the CHROs and HR team had to be in the forefront and figure out a way and how to you know, pivot around, get through, uh, capitalize on, whatever, the, whatever it was, that it rounded out everyone's business experience. So I'm hoping to see like I said, more CHROs be CEOs and companies and boards um, taking a chance on CHROs to do that. We'll see. Um, and not just human capital related companies, right? You know, but more in general. So so that's what I, I see the future is that more than anything. I think 
I think the other thing that's helpful for folks in my role, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, I, I only learned this over the past five years. I used to always consider myself, when someone asked me, what's the team? What, what, what team are you on? I say, oh, HR, I lead HR. The reality is that's not right. My team is the executive team. And I tell my team this all the time. We're not on the same team. You're the team I lead and I'm, I'm, I'm closely aligned with, but my team is the executive team. That's the team I play on. And um, I think we'll start to see more. So when that happens, I think you'll start to see a little bit more adoption of senior HR leaders going to boards and and, and play different C-suite roles. But um, that's a that was a hard lesson for me. And I going back to the referee analogy, it was like you know if one of my teammates is failing, I'm failing. So instead of putting the spotlight on that person, I look to say how can we get them out of this rut or whatever the whatever they're in. And um, I think. Um, That'll go a long way to see kind of my vision of, of CHROs being CEOs. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's a fascinating insight, Skip. And I'll, I'll just drill down a little bit. The, the part that you shared about the executive team being the team you're playing on and, and, and your HR and people team being the team you're leading, that's pretty deep. Can you tell? go a little bit deeper on on, on what what brought you there? Um, because you're, you're right, and, and people talk about this a lot. We haven't heard it really... Um, I guess said as, as clearly, um, what, what, what kind of brought you there? Yeah. I, well, to be honest, I had an epiphany at, um, we used a, uh, a leadership development partner, uh, called, uh, TLDG, the Thayer leadership development group out of West point. So, um, uh, when I was at Aspen tech, we were looking to, to, uh, gravitate towards a command and control culture into one of, uh, we call it discipline agility and we use them as a partner. And, you know, we go through our, our executive team meetings. We went down there, did team events and all this sort of stuff. And they just simply asked the question. We all answered it. Oh, you know, I lead finance. I lead this. And it's sort of the, it's sort of the uh, USA 1980 hockey moment where they're like, what team do you play for? And it just hit me. It was just like, it was staring at me in the face that, you know, if one of my colleagues destroyed, would say it was sales, whatever, then I'm, I'm fake. And I got to, what, what could I do to help them out? And I would hope that they would do that for me. Uh, right. And not call out. So that was my sort of epiphany. Fast forward to where I am now at InterDigital. So I, and this isn't, my CEO probably never see this. He's outstanding. He really enforces a team mentality. He's very uh, open. He shares everything with us. And I felt this way my first week at InterDigital was I felt this was the team I was on because it wasn't, he never segregated a group over here to go talk about this and that group. Oh, you don't need to hear this. It was everyone in the room. And, and honestly, in, Antonio Pietri, my, my former CEO at the Aspen Tech, did the same thing. We're all in the room. And we heard the good and the bad. And it, you just realized this is the team I play. And so I'm thrilled. It wasn't something I had to really work for and work at at InterDigital. It was already in place. Uh, we've got we have a strong executive team there. And so now it's like, now I don't have to build that. I can Now I can take advantage of a strong team and build out and get us to grow more and we're we're um we're doing well we're very we're a successful company but i see bigger things for us and a bigger um a bigger future i i love it skip as soon as you were saying that i was thinking about that scene in miracle before you yeah. and for for folks listening that that might not you know watch so so miracle um you know the the um the u.s olympic um hockey story um it's essentially a scene where the the team USA has been has been has been picked, um, and they're practicing. And Herb Brooks, played by Kurt Russell, 
is skating the team. You know, they're doing conditioning. And he keeps asking them what team they play for. They had just made the team. And every every player keep player keeps telling Coach Brooks the, the college, right? Uh, Minnesota, BU, BC, you know, uh, Michigan, Colorado. And he just keeps skating them until finally someone says, and I think it was Aruzioni. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, Boston says, boy. Yep, says I we USA play for Team USA, right? And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome, Skip. I love the I love the analogy. Uh, well, Skip, kind of this has been great. We're kind of heading into the the end of the conversation here. We we love to land the plane. I land the plane. On the plane. Good luck. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the future. You've already kind of went there a little bit. Yeah. You know, we've been really lucky with the, with this the Boston HR council community it's grown it's it's well known now we've uh, so paul and i we chat with a lot of folks that are either super early on in their hr career or they're super early on in their professional career and because of you know this group or this content they're they're interested in 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 a career in hr so mm-hmm. i guess maybe you know kind of open canvas here um, any advice for somebody kind of early, early on or considering, um, uh, a path into HR? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a little of kind of what I said in the very beginning of, you know, subscribe to the wall street journal or a business, uh, uh, paper magazine, whatever. If you want to, if you, there's an old, there's a commercial out there and, and, and forgive me, I don't know the business. It might be NetSuite for all I know, but it says, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. And what I tell folks all the time is, if you don't know your people, you don't know your business either. So, so you know, in HR, you have to, you know, kind of know a lot about the different functions and what everyone does, but learn the business world around you. I'm, I'm an investor myself, and so I'm sort of, you know, I get obsessed with digging into companies and learning what they do and what their strengths and weaknesses are, but it doesn't compare to what I know of my own I should know the ins and outs. I want to know how we bring in revenue. I want to know where we lose revenue. I want to know all of those things. That makes me a better HR person. And don't just, you know, Sherm's a great organization. Don't just stay in your lane and learn HR tactics. Uh, look, if there's anything that I'm, I could be accused of is I know probably more about the business than HR, but that's okay. I'll have to go to my experts on my team and say, hey, what is this about that and blah, blah, blah. And and we have a great labor attorney, uh, employment attorney that uh, sits in, H- in uh, uh, the legal department, but is part of the team. So I have that luxury of turning to her and say, Amy, what does this mean for us here and there? I look at it from the business aspect to say, is this good for the business or is it bad for the business? And um, and so, look, I tell I tell you know younger folks kind of getting into it. And the thing I love, too, is don't make HR be uh, where you fall. Make it a destination. I want HR... The function to be a destination. I would love to see people go choosing HR for that reason because they want to be a leader. I, you know, I get asked all the time, "What do you do?" I'm like, "I'm a leader. I just happen to practice human capital, but I'm a leader first. That's my first title. I'm a leader, and then you start making decisions based on what's right for the business." Uh, for a long time, you know, I, I'd ask people, you know, interviewing, "So, what do you what do you like about HR? What do you want to go into HR?" And they say, "Oh, I love everything about HR." I'm like, uh, no. I don't love everything about HR. So that's not true. So come on, really, what do you like? What don't you? And then you get a little bit more of the truth, and then you can hone in on what their passion is within HR. Some people, their their highest mountain would be the head of talent acquisition. That's awesome. That's amazing. And they have a passion for it, and that's great. Others, 
you, you have so many different pathways, but if you want to run the whole function, learn the business, you learn the business at every, every level of HR, but that's my biggest advice to, to younger people going in. You gain so much more credibility when you're in a meeting and, you know, you can talk the talk with the engineers and the, the attorneys and whomever, because you know, the business, I, they, they put you in a different peg of, they're one of us and, and that's huge. That's awesome. Skip, I, I love that advice. Um, Skip, this conversation has been, has been great. Um, we've had a blast. I'm going to put you on the spot here though, for oh. the last 30 seconds here though. Um, so where my connection's going to go. <laughs> yeah. Get it ready. All right. So, uh, recording this late, uh, in 2023, it's going to publish, um, um, it will be, you know, um, Apple, Spotify, you know, all over the place, uh, in early February, uh, the current NBA standings, yeah. uh, the Celts are leading Boston Celtics are leading the Eastern division 21 and six Philadelphia 76ers are, uh, are in third place at 19 and eight. Just want to hear a little bit about what Skip's thoughts are relative to where this NBA season might go. Well, I'll tell you what I, you know, if I were to adopt their, their fandom hood, I would, uh, you know, I would start planning the parade. Now I got a lot of heat because the very first, uh, Regular season game, mind you, it was game 11. The Sixers beat the Celtics, and I got pummeled the next day coming into work. And I, the first question, I said, this is great. What time What time does the parade start, and where do I go? And it will, will, I go, guys, it's it's game 11. You know, pump the brakes a little bit here. So, uh, but no, look, I'll, I'll go out on the limb. The Sixers, third place is nice. I think that's as best as they're, they're, they're going to do. They're not a playoff team. I'd love to say we can't wait to see them in the in the playoffs. Uh, I'm not sure we will see them in the playoffs. To me, this is Boston's year. Uh, we've knocked on the door several times, but this is it. Um, they're going to have to give it up. Uh, the, the Sixers are a nice, cute team. I, I think they have two championships in there, too. Yeah. I think we got our second one in 59 or 60. Um, so we'll get we'll get banner number 18 this year. Uh, well, tw- 2024. And then, um, and then I won't hear anything from my colleagues for a little while. It's funny. It, it's funny how I don't hear anything about football for a while when the, when the Eagles have lost three in a row or whatever. It's funny. <laughs> no one seems to look at me in the eye in the hallway. Weird. Oh, geez. I put you on the spot a little bit, Skip. You kind of ran with it. That was, uh, that's, that was great. I, I have a little pent up anger. You have to understand I'm <laughs> surrounded down here. It's like, I'm one of those dorky dads. Like someone walks by me in the street, they have a Boston call. I'm like, hey, hi, how are you doing? You, what, you, you from Boston? Complete dork, but that's what you get. Yeah. Well, Skip, uh, we had a lot of fun, um, buddy. You, uh, you're, you're a great BHRC council member. Um, love the conversation and uh, and looking forward to hanging out and, and what's in store for you in 2024. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. And uh, both of you, if you're ever down here, I'll, t- I'll take you to the same uh, Irish pub that uh, Sean and I met in uh have a wobbly pop or two. That sounds good, Skip. Here you go. Let's take a second to think back. My physical frame is celebrated because I made it.